We, we all suffer, but when we cooperate with God in the process, we come to a place where we see, where we understand, like we could not without that affliction. Hello and welcome to First Person and today's conversation with Tim Kaufman, who knows what it's like to fall into a severe depression and also knows how the Lord can heal. I'm Wayne Shepherd, looking forward to having you with us for today's important conversation. Before we get started, though, let me point you to our website for additional information and resources. It's firstpersoninterview.com. Take the time to visit the site and learn more about this week's guest as well as past interviews. And if you'd like to download any of those past interviews for listening anytime, use our smartphone app. It's free on both the Apple and Android platforms and makes listening to First Person easy anytime it's convenient for you. Search First Person Interview in your app store. Tim Kaufman was in full-time ministry as a musician when depression struck and nearly cost him everything. He credits the Lord Jesus Christ for helping him find a way out and now wants to help others find the same hope and healing. We'll have information about a book Tim has written on the subject of depression at the end of today's program. But as Tim and I talked, I asked him to talk about his life today following his healing. Well, I'm calling uh, calling this, Wayne, Tim Kaufman Ministries 2.0. Um, I have been off of the road since uh, 2004, uh, was on the road in concert ministry and seminar ministry from uh, 1982 until 2004. And then I've been working uh, in churches, doing church music consulting. And of course, when I had my crash and burn uh, in 2010 with the depression, um, it's been kind of a seven-year uh, journey back to this place. But for the last uh, couple of years, I've been in a really good place uh, working in a couple of churches, uh, helping them uh, transition their music programs and um, about a year ago, I sensed that the Lord was nudging me this direction to go back on the road in a full-time capacity. And um, as I talked with my wife, Alicia, about it, she said, well, uh, at 63, it sounds uh, crazy enough uh, to be a God thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in, um, in, uh, officially on March 1st, I, I call it the, the restart of Tim Coffin Ministries, and uh, we're back on the road doing um, uh, seminars, and our tagline is helping people navigate storms, struggles, and self-sabotage. Uh, something you know about, huh? Yeah. Uh, do you get people, when they hear your story, do they kind of scratch their heads and say, well, how can someone who was in ministry full-time, how can you fall into depression? You know, it's it's interesting that it's becoming a, a little bit more common uh, and that was one of our concerns uh, back in 2010 when we went to uh, our staff counselor. Uh, my wife, Alicia, and I are very involved at First Baptist Church of Orlando. That's our home base. And uh, Charlie Martin uh, just retired, but uh, he was the counselor there for over 30 years. And Alicia said to him, you know, what what's going to happen with um, – uh, if people find out and Tim's reputation and she wasn't so concerned about the reputation, but just what what would it do to the reputation of Christ? What would it do, uh, you know, to, to ministry perceptions? And uh, Charlie looked at her and he said, Alicia said there you you have no idea how many 
ministers are on medication, how many ministers' wives are in medica- are, are on medication, because there is just so much pressure in ministry. Uh, we have seen this downturn in our economy. It has changed everything that we have historically known in regard to church work and vocation. And these are really tough times, and a lot of people hmm. are right where Tim is. They just won't admit it. Yeah. Well, it took uh, it took courage for you to put your story in a book like this and to be as open as you are about this book. I, I'm sure you did it to, to help many other people. What I wanted to do, Wayne, is that I, I knew that uh, just from, you know, 40 years of, of itinerant ministry uh, and local church work, I knew that one out of 10 people sitting in church that I was singing to or speaking to every single week, I knew that one uh, out of 10 were struggling with MDD, major depressive disorder. There were people who were coming to church. Uh, they would hide uh, emotionally. Uh, they're on medication. They couldn't dare let anybody know that they're on medication. Uh, I was talking with a, a guy that um, just the other day at a pastor's conference, and he said to me, uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I mean, he was telling me his story, and he was being very open and forthright. And I said, well, because you sense the safety, uh, because we have to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. It's going on. But every single person's got a story of redemption, and this just happens to be mine. Mm-hmm. Did it come upon you suddenly, Tim, or was it more of a gradual thing? Um, Wayne, I've battled it all my life. Um, I, I tell people that I stiff-armed it, that I was uh, always trying to stay a step ahead of it. But I look back uh, in my teens and my 20s, uh, I, I struggled with, um, uh, with depression, with, with the blues. Uh, I look at um, uh, my first depression, which uh, took place in, uh, from 1979, 1980, when I was, uh, when I was single. And, uh, and then I had a second um, depression, which I call my first clinical, which was 91 to 94. It was just a, an awful time. And then I finally got smart and started uh, taking medication in 2004, and within two weeks, I felt like a different person. Hmm. Well, in 2009, a well-meaning friend uh, gave me some books, showed me that, you know, medication is so wrong, it's not the right thing, and Christians shouldn't be on medication, and and so I thought, well, you know, maybe he's right. Uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good, and this is what people do mistakenly. They get feeling pretty good because of the medication, and then they think, I'm okay, and they quit taking it, and then everybody pays for it. And so I weaned myself off of it, and I did okay for about six months. And then when three crises took place simultaneously, um, in November, December, and January, uh, November, December, 09, January, 2010, uh, that's when my world came crashing down. And I needed that medication to help, uh, with the, uh, as a prop, so to speak, to help navigate difficult times because that wasn't there. Um, I just didn't have that extra, um, uh, strength to, uh, to do it, uh, to go through what I did. And then um, it was a long road back, and 
one of the goals of the book is to help people shorten their depressive seasons because uh, depressives go through different seasons. Uh, believe it or not, it can be at different decades in life. It can be uh, based on sometimes the part of the country that you live in. Uh, and there's a whole host of reasons. Uh, you know, there's, um, there's chemical, there's biological, there's childhood wounds that yield to a, a root of bitterness. There's, there's abuse that takes place that uh, people have to process. And, and this is what is so sinister about this uh, disease is that there are so many contributing factors, and it's usually not any one single thing. What's the first thing you say to people when they self-identify as someone who is in depression with you? They, they must identify with you in some very, uh, very strong ways. Yeah, I, uh, I ask them, um, what kind of counseling have you gotten? I ask them uh, to put them at ease. I ask them, uh, are you on any medication? Because I'm on two different medications. And they'll usually just, boom, that just opens the door and they say, oh yeah, I'm on this or I'm on that. How much you taking? 50 milligram, 100 milligram. Yeah, I'm taking 150 of this and 50 of that. And so the conversation, what what that does is that they say, oh, you're just like me. Oh, you, really? You're on the platform? Uh, you, you, you're, you're in front of people and you speak about spiritual things and you're on medication? Absolutely. What's happening spiritually um, when this is all going on? I mean, is that are there doubts? Is there a, a throwing off of your faith, or do you still believe in God and and uh, just get off track? Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. I was in such a. Uh, I woke up the morning of January eighth, two thousand ten. And I was shaking uncontrollably. I was in the fetal position, and I looked at my wife, and I said, I can't read my way, meaning read my Bible. I can't read my way out of this. I can't pray my way out of this. I can't talk my way out of this. I can't think my way out of this. And I need help. Hmm. And it just so happened that a dear friend of ours who is a pastor's wife um, she was in the area. The phone rang 15 minutes after I told my wife this, and she said, hey, I'm in the area. Can I stop by? And when she came in to the house and saw me, she looked at Alicia and she said, we have to get Tim to a doctor right now because as a pastor's wife, she had seen this. She knew what to look for. We'll continue talking with Tim Kaufman about depression and healing next on First Person. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to this week's edition of First Person, can I remind you to take a moment and visit the webpage, firstpersoninterview.com? Click on the FEBC banner there, and you'll hear stories of God at work in the lives of people touched by the programs produced by our dedicated staff. We take Christ to the world through radio and new technology. For more, go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for FEBC. My guest is Tim Kaufman. Tim is telling us his true story of how he triumphed through depression, how the Lord triumphed in his life through depression. His book is titled Singing Hallelujah When You Feel Like Hell. And Tim, I know you don't use that word hell lightly or flippantly. You've given a lot of, a lot of thought to that word, haven't you? I really did. Um, uh, I, when, I, when I got the title, I actually got the title 
at a weekend uh, writers conference. Uh, there were about 130 wannabe writers there, and we did a roundtable, uh, and, and there was a person there that just suggested it, and it just clicked. Um, and I thought about it, and I said, you know, when the enemy came and stole paradise in the garden, everything that was supposed to be heaven turned to hell. Uh, the whole creation groans and travails waiting for the adoption, Romans 8 says. And everything that was supposed to be is not. Now, God has given us salvation. He's given us what I call hors d'oeuvres along the way, hmm. uh, on on the way to the banquet. Foretaste uh, of we, glory divine, right? <laughs> bingo, bingo, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But but we're not home yet, like Stephen Curtis Chapman sings. We're not home yet. And when we experience pain, loss, suffering, it is hell. It emanates from hell. Uh, it's not just metaphorical, which, of course, it is, but it is also everything that heaven isn't. Uh, Larry Crabb helped me with, um, uh, with the concept of not feeling guilty because— Everything wasn't perfect because Mm -hmm. we were designed for perfection. We were designed to be in the garden forever, and we lost that. And ever since then, we've been going through hell. Well, I wanted to point that out because I know how seriously you thought about that and how you present that in your book. Uh, You mentioned your wife, Alicia, and you have children as well. I'm sure they're grown now, but what, uh, what were they going through when you were going through depression? Well, we've been uh, we've been very blessed to have five children, uh, four uh, girls and uh, one son, and they range in age now from 19 to to 33. So you're correct; they're all grown, and we do have one grandbaby out of the batch. <laughs> but um, it's interesting when I wrote the first draft, I sent it I sent it to my daughter Amber, who is an excellent writer. She was an English major at uh, in college. And when she read the first manuscript, she said, well, Daddy, that was a nice first try. <laughs> so I said, what's it need? What uh, what do we need to do with it? And she said, well, Dad, it just wasn't transparent enough. It needs to be more raw. And then she said this, Wayne. She said, and Daddy, I think we need to work on it together because we all went through it too. Oh, yeah. And that was very insightful. And so uh, she consulted on it and uh, gave some great input. And um, the the family went through it. I was not there emotionally uh, for my kids, especially our youngest daughter, uh, Naomi. Uh, I'm so glad she's at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic. She's uh, a music major. We got one musician out of the five, <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. And she's on a very generous music scholarship there. Uh, we had some rough rough times with her, and um, I look at the biggest cause for that. Uh, yeah, she was accountable. Uh, there was some rebellion uh, going on, but a lot of it could have been avoided if I had just been a normal, regular dad, and uh, I was on the couch for two years. Were you able to grieve that at the time, or was it just there was nothing you could do about it? Uh, I couldn't grieve it until about two years later, and um, because uh, I'll tell you, the first three months of 2010, January, February, March, the only prayer that I could pray 
and I and I'm not exaggerating. The only prayer I could pray was God help me. Mm. It was three words, God help me. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't read any books. I'm a voracious reader. I read all the time whenever I whenever I can. I couldn't read anything. I I just and all I could say was God help me and I'm so grateful for a wife that, um, you know, John Maxwell says motion creates emotion yeah. and she would get me out of the house. She would take me, she would invite friends over and she would make sure that, that something was going on because she understood that, you know, Dr. Charles Stanley said, if you're depressed, do yeah, something. Activity is important, isn't it? And yet you're honest in the book and, and Alicia, she kind of reached the end of her rope at one point, didn't she? Yeah, she really did. And, uh, I asked her though, at one point, I said, honey, why haven't you left me? And she looked at me, cocked her head sideways, and she said, leave you? You're my family. Hmm. And I just wish more people could just understand that, yeah. that, you know, what God puts together, let no man put us under. I'm sure it does take a toll on marriages, doesn't it? It, it really does. It really does. And I just want to just give uh, kudos, you know, uh, I'm a Baptist minister, but I'm going to call the Pope and nominate my wife for sainthood. If, uh, yeah, you if go ahead and you do that. That that'd be that'd be fine. <laughs> we'll see. If, let me know if he takes your call. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay, uh, Tim, your book is again so honest, and it took such courage to to uh, document this story. But what is the what is the message of this book for anyone who's in the midst of depression now, or? or the, the loved one of someone who wants to reach out and help a, f- a family member or friend who's in depression? Well, the key word, I think, is process, because um, I wish I could say that there was a silver bullet. You know, if you do this, then you will feel better. Uh, it's a combination. For me, there were spiritual warfare demonic issues. There were chemical issues. There were biological issues. Uh, I had roots of bitterness from childhood that I wasn't even aware of, and those had to be addressed. And so that's why I say that it is a process. Get a good counselor. If you want to find out where a good counselor is, uh, call the largest church in your area. Ask them who they recommend. And um, and understand that you might have to go through one, two, or three counselors until you really click with someone. And then stay with it. And, and just engage the process. And also cut yourself a break. You didn't get into this overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. But if you will walk with God by faith in the darkness, he will be the lamp to your feet, the light to your path, and you'll have enough light to take the next step. Mm. You admitted that you couldn't even pick up God's word at one point. What does God's word mean to you now? Oh, I've always loved to study God's word. Um, I didn't know what major I wanted to be when I was in college, and I thought, well, I'm probably going to be uh, in ministry of some some type, so I'm going. I'm just going to be a Bible major, and I have I have always loved God's Word, but now it's so much. I, I mean, I read it with different eyes. Um, I I see things that I never saw before, and it's kind of like Job at the end of Job in chapter forty two. He said to God before. I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you, and I repent. And I think it's interesting that the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And when you go through the crucible of whatever suffering 
uh, we, we all have to endure suffering in this life. Uh, and, and I have not suffered like so many. I think of Johnny Erickson Tata. I think of uh, people who have worse depression uh, than I do. Um, we, we all suffer when we cooperate with God in the process. We come to a place where we see, where we understand, like we could not without that affliction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, I'm sure you realize that there very well may be someone listening right now who's where you once were, and yet they've tuned Mm. in today. Uh, Can you look them in the eye, so to speak, and just talk to them for a moment as we close? I want to talk to you, um, listener, if if you're in in a dark place. Understand that you won't be there forever. One of the best things that happened to my father when he was in uh, in a hospital bed, he had three clinical depressions. My grandfather had two. That that's part of the issue uh, for our family. But a deacon came and visited Dad, and this deacon said, "Ted, you're probably saying to yourself, I'll never get out of this bed. I'll never get out of this hospital. Things will never be the same.'" And he said, "Ted, you will get out of the hospital. You will get out of this bed." because I was in this bed six years ago myself. Mm. And this is back in the 60s when people didn't have the education, the the freedom to do what we're doing here today, Wayne. And dad did get out of that bed. He ended up going back to that bed a third time in 1987. Um, but today at age 88, he's still on medication. He's been on the same medication since 2001, and uh, he's doing fine with it. You're not going to stay there forever. You're not. You're not. If you will just put one foot in front of the other and uh, read my book, but then I've put in the back of the book, I've put um, a suggested reading list. And I found that if I will pray, Lord, bring into my life the right book, the right podcast, the right broadcast, the right uh, phone call, the right friend. If I will pray this on a daily basis, God answers that prayer. And you will have what you need, the right scripture passage, the right whatever. You will see God begin to work. Finally got it kind of exciting, Wayne, because I I started seeing answers to prayer in such little ways. And I thought, I wonder what God's going to do tomorrow. I wonder what God's going to do next week. And that's one of the things that will make you thirsty and, and, and keep you going back to the well. You'll find information about Tim Kaufman's book and his story of depression and healing when you visit us online at firstpersoninterview.com. There's also a link to Tim's musical and speaking ministry today. Thanks for listening. We're here each week featuring the stories of followers of Christ who've been called to a unique place of service and are making a spiritual difference as they live for the Lord. Our archive of interviews grows each week, and you're invited to explore our past programs either at firstpersoninterview.com or by using the download feature on our free smartphone app. And you can interact with us online at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. These conversations are made possible through the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, who love for you to hear how God works in the lives of people for His glory. Learn more about FEBC when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, we'll talk with a young woman who grew up in war-torn Lebanon. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard inviting you to join us next time for First Person.